strong. Ash. Bone. And sickle. Bleeding saints and forest witches. The past unburied. The books unsealed. The old celebration returning. Hello and welcome to my study. Uh, please have a seat. Uh, the gentleman to my right, of course, is my valet, Wilkinson. He assists in pulling books we use in this program and uh, by reading any specific quotations uh, presented. Wilkinson? Uh, pleased to meet you. I do hope all of you are enjoying the colder weather. An excellent time to be indoors with a good book. And a fire, as you... As you may hear, we have a fine crackling blaze going here. Wilkinson is uh, rather adept at fire making. Are you sure you don't... White oak is today's wood... The aroma is almost nutty. Uh, we switch off uh, for variety. Of, of course, I do prefer evergreens. Sir, are you sure you don't want to start over? <laughs> Have I made a mistake? The cat. Cat? Well, it's rather loud. Uh, I'm sorry, I just don't hear any cat. I, I used to, but then you convinced me it was merely in my head, you know? I see. In any case, now that December 5th approaches, we'll be turning uh, to a topic long in coming. I didn't... A favorite of mine. I didn't exactly say it was just in your head, but I just wasn't hearing it all those times. And we never actually saw the thing. And the idea that it's some sort of spirit, uh, I just didn't say that. It's not a spirit. It has a body. The glaciers saw it. Well, it didn't sound like that. From all that talk about a phantom dog to scare off the cat, I'm afraid you're upsetting your friends. You've known Mr. Norman for a long time, and I hate to see you ruin that. He's an expert on phantom dog lore. He enjoys fielding questions. Well, I... Did he call back? I didn't want to upset you. Play it. You know, it's the time of year. Everyone seems to be under such pressure. Play it. I don't pick up the phone. Oh, I hate these things. Look, Al, it's Mark. Norman. Do, do you know what you're saying, Al? I, I thought it was just those kind of paranormal ghost-hunty shows on the telly that didn't know how to deal with this stuff. Look, you, you can't just go to the dog pound and say, oh, have you got any spare bar guests knocking around that I can borrow? It doesn't work like that. You, these things are just... From your subconscious, or from the world around... Whatever they are, you can't just summon them in some kind of magic circle or something. I thought you knew how all this stuff worked. You can't have your own black dog. Seriously. Love to Wilkinson. Bye, Al. 
Well, he's not very forthcoming. It would seem he's discouraging the idea. At least we know it doesn't involve a magic circle. I'm sure that's a relief to you. Well, if you'd used chalk and not the tip of a sword, it wouldn't have been such a fuss to remove. The dog needn't be black. Oh, listen, it stopped. The cat. Uh, oh. Well, then there's no time to waste. Let's start the show. Episode 15, Saint, Devil, Sugarbread, and Whip. So, I am your host, Al Reidenauer, and this is Bone and Sickle, an exploration of the historical intertwining of uh, horror and folklore. For months now, you've heard me mention my book that inspired the podcast, The Krampus and the Old Dark Christmas. Uh, finally, now, in this episode, that's what we'll be talking about. We'll also be pulling from the book for the next, uh, perhaps, episode or two, all of which will represent only a fraction of the material from this richly illustrated must-have volume, which is an ideal holiday gift to be treasured by you and your family for decades to come. I believe that covers the introductory formalities, so let's get to it. Sieh einmal, hier steht er. Pfui, der Strommelpeter. An den Händen beiden ließ er sich nicht schneiden. Seine You've just heard a clip from a peculiar 1955 German film. Peculiar in that it's uh, presented in the form of little ballets mixed with painterly tableaus, uh, precisely mirroring illustrations from an 1854 book called Der Struvelpeter, meaning Ungroomed Peter, or sometimes translated as Shock-Headed Peter after the wild shock of hair sported by its uh, title character, a naughty, monstrous little boy who refuses to cut his hair or tend his grotesquely elongated nails. Uh, intended as a Christmas present for his three-year-old son, it was written and whimsically illustrated by Heinrich Hoffmann, a psychologist in the pioneering days of the field, and was considered the first or one of the first books ever written for an audience of children. In its pages, children who play with matches, uh, refuse to eat, uh, suck their thumbs, torment animals, or commit other childish misdemeanors, meet ghastly fates, providing readers with both uh, cautionary examples and delicious schadenfreude. Delight in others' misfortunes. A classic, well, at least in Germany, uh, the book continues to go through new printings to this day, and over the years it has inspired uh, an 1891 translation by Mark Twain, uh, parodies like the World War II-era satire, Der Struvel Hitler, a dedicated museum in Frankfurt, and a 1998 opera by the marvelous British punk cabaret artists, the Tiger Lilies. Their song about the long-legged scissor man who cuts off thumbs of thumb suckers. He's got his great long scissors out, snips The book's scare tactics today seem charmingly antique, or 
charming at least to this audience, perhaps uh, horrifying to others. But um, in the late 18th and early 19th century, when the Krampus tradition solidified into what we know today, uh, this was a time uh, when Germans uh, practiced what uh, was called the uh, Zuckerbrot und Peitsche. Sugarbread and whip. Mode of child rearing. Carrot and stick to us in English. Um, but of course, the idea of using fear and fearful figures, uh, perhaps a bit playfully, uh, to solicit correct behavior from children is much older and, in fact, universal. And the Krampus, in its simplest form, is really little more than a seasonal boogeyman, you know, more analytically described in German as the uh, Kinderschreckfigur, the child terror figure. We find boogeymen like this visualized already in broadsheets typically handed out in the 16th and 17th century carnival celebrations across German-speaking lands. Bernie's uh, artist uh, Hans Weiditz in 1520 produced a woodcut, Der Kinderfresser, the child eater, uh, depicting a particularly nasty ogre gobbling a child. And it may have been a figure like this that inspired Bern's famous uh, Kindlifrasse Brunnen, Child Eater Fountain, also from the 16th century. And which uh, also, like Vitus's illustrations, depicts an ogre popping a child into his mouth head first. The illustration, however, includes other details which would remind us of the Krampus, uh, that is, uh, children being carried off in sacks. Weiditz's illustration exceeds other similar broadsheets in its horrific details, which I'll post on the website. Uh, it's trickling blood and a pile of feces dropping from one particularly panicked infant. About 80 years later, the subject was apparently still popular, as demonstrated by another broadsheet uh, by German artist uh, Lorenz Schultes. His uh, Kinderfresser, Child Eater, shows a similar scene staged at the door of a home where children are seeking safety in the arms of their mother from a menacing ogre. Um, accompanying text drives home the uh, didactic intent with the mother warning her children. So if you do not want to be quiet right now, I will give you to him. Therefore be silent and still come in the house so that he will not find you outside crying. It is likely that the Krampus began as an unseen figure of threat, a creature strictly of the imagination, amorphous and changeable and something spoken of but never actually seen. In more Catholic lands where church iconography was stronger, the Krampus's appearance came to more closely resemble the devil's. And if a costume were to be created, it would naturally come from the resources available to Alpine farmers, uh, handily goat horns, and uh, animal hides. Another influence would have been the older regional folklore and customs associated with spirits known as the Pechten, and their leader or embodiment, Frau Pechte, a topic I'll be talking about on Mark Norman's folklore podcast in the near future. So, on to the Krampus himself. I thought it might be good to let him introduce himself in his own words, so to speak, uh, you see, the beasts uh, you likely imagine as doing little more than snarling or growling used to be quite eloquent. In 19th century plays called Nicholas plays, which are a major source for this figure's origin, and one we'll discuss shortly, uh, the Krampuses had quite a lot to say. Uh, in this case, it's a boast and a report to St. Nicholas. 
I am Krampus, fear my name. Far and wide extends my fame. I arrive when I am bidden, and sniff out children where they're hidden. Who is naughty? Where's my prey? I'll tear them up without delay. And daily though I do my spying, I've scarcely seen a child trying. Good children, though, are not my task. Only for the bad I'm asked. For those my sack is neatly suited, their vexing screams and whining muted. Off I pack them to their fates, the spoiled little reprobates. With brats as these, one choice is fit to toss them in the fiery pit. The phenomenon of the Krampus run or Krampuslauf um, is fairly well known. Uh, they've even been emulated now in a growing number of uh, U.S. cities and in the U.K. by friends of uh, Bone and Sickle in the city of Whitby. But uh, what is less known is the uh, house bazook or house visit from which the Krampuslauf uh, developed. Because of their less uh, public nature and because of the sprawly nature of modern cities, house visits have diminished in importance, but the custom remains strong in a few Traditionalist strongholds, uh, like the Gastein Valley, a little more than an hour south of uh, Salzburg. In these areas, and in the past generally, Krampuses would be out and about on December 5th, uh, St. Nicholas Eve. Not in organized processions following a designated parade route, but as small groups uh, crisscrossing the town en route to various homes of uh, friends and relatives. If you happen to bump into one of these groups, you would be playfully attacked, as you might be at a Krampuslauf, but their real business was with children at the various homes. So each of these groups or troops, called a Krampuspass, or more often just a pass, is led by a Saint Nicholas, costumed, of course, not as the American Saint Nick, but a Catholic bishop. There are at least four Krampuses uh, accompanying him, typically around six. By the way, the, the plural of Krampus is Krampusa in German, and people always want to say Krampi, but that's Latin. It's not. It's a made-up plural, so I just use the Anglified Krampuses. Um, so there are at least four, maybe six of these devils, uh, and female friends and relatives of the people in the troop uh, will accompany them dressed as angels. Uh, their role is to assist the saint with his duties and Honestly, just to offer a little bit of comforting female presence if the children happen to panic. <laughs> then, in traditionalist areas particularly, there is a figure known as the Kerbelträger, a, a basket carrier. On his back, he wears a, a large basket uh, woven of uh, thin wooden splints in which he carries uh, small treats for the well-behaved, that is. Uh, and it's not an insignificant task, as the full load uh, can weigh up to an over 100 pounds, and the basket gets refilled once or more per evening. But St. Nick needs his treats to give out. And these treats, by the way, would be like little gingerbreads or fruit or very, very small things, but he does visit a lot of homes. So, how do these visits proceed? What is the actual script they follow? It, well, begins with the whole family, including any grandparents, aunts, or uncles, assembled on one side of the uh, family dining room table, or kitchen table. And this table is later going to serve as a sort of safety barrier between the children 
and the uh, Krampuses. When the troop arrives at the house, St. Nicholas enters, usually only with his basket carrier and angels. Uh, the Krampuses will wait outside or perhaps come indoors but remain out of sight in a hallway or something. Nicholas greets the family, uh, usually introducing himself with a short poem, uh, sometimes something handed down from days gone by, but often one written by uh, the performer himself in an, an older style, usually. Um, here's, here's one from my book in loose translation. God's greetings all within this house. I'm friend to all, St. Nicholas. Have no fear, just look at me. No wild stranger here you see. My coming marks the year's near end. This forest man my basket tends. Deeds good and bad we must review. With ringing bells comes Krampus too. What brings him joy brings terror to you. After this rhymed greeting, Nicholas may hand his staff off to a chosen child, a lucky child, or one of his angels, and then he opens his, uh, it's called a gold, the Golden Book, to review what he knows of the children's behavior. It's the good and bad deeds. Um, and he's likely just received uh, maybe a few whispered comments or a little note to sort of brief him on, on how, what their behavior has been through the previous year. Or the saint may simply question the children if they've been good and follow this up with a few saintly remarks and encouragements. But a final test for the children uh, before they get any gifts is a performance that they've uh, been usually rehearsing for weeks or maybe months even. Now, in the old days, this exercise would have involved verses memorized from the Bible or a catechism or the performance of a hymn, but today more secular material may be used, though usually something with a holiday theme. A traditional choice would be the uh, 19th century song you are hearing. Translation, let us be happy and cheerful. Nicholas Eve will soon be here. The climax of the visit, of course, comes with the appearance of the Krampuses. They are usually introduced as a... Um, a sort of parting warning to the children that good behavior must be maintained. Having waited out of sight thus far, the devils burst in, making the greatest racket possible with all their bells and stomping. Switches are brandished and swung, but maybe not making any real contact with the children. Um, none of my sources suggested that children are actually routinely hit during this little rumpus that goes on. Um, older relatives may receive a playful swat or two, but generally the children are protected by that all-important dining room table barrier so the Krampus doesn't really get to them. And the table actually becomes the sort of object of a whole other game, a tug-of-war, that with the Krampuses playfully trying to heave it away and children and family members trying to keep it safely in place. Now, Krampuses uh, may also snatch up uh, random items or grab at their prey, or uh, often uh, seizing victims by the earlobe, that's a thing, or pulling off sweaters and hats and performing other acts of mischief. Anyway, that's the classic house visit as practiced in the uh, 19th and early 20th century and preserved here and there in the more traditional regions. Its uh, church roots can be traced back to uh, playful St. Nicholas Day practices involving a costumed saint giving out small gifts to children studying in the uh, monastic uh, schools in the uh, late 17th and 18th century. 
in German-speaking Alps, these customs gave uh, birth to a specific form called the uh, Nikolausspiel, the Nicholas play, from which we've heard the uh, I am Krampus soliloquy earlier. These plays were either presented at private homes or in public squares or in taverns, um, and those venues would constitute stops or stations along a sort of informal route in the same way I've described with the house visits and the uh, Krampuslauf. And in Alpine regions, the uh, saintly character or the saint's character tended to be colored by existing uh, rural folklore and customs. Uh, these areas were home to a, a specific sort of uh, folk Catholicism that mingled church customs with an indigenous pagan folklore of uh, these ambivalent, often devilish mountain spirits known as the Perst is singular. Like the Krampus, these Persten would also uh, wander between homes in rather unruly processions. Uh, Perstenlauf is equivalent with Krampuslauf. Um, and these uh, figures, which I'll talk a bit more about in a future show or on the Folklore Podcast, uh, were the inspiration for uh, rowdy costume processions uh, that we first see mentioned in uh, 17th century documents. Uh, probably quite similar to the uh, earliest Krampus runs. The Perstenlauf, however, was regarded with suspicion by the church and civil authorities as... Um, a phenomenon arising from the peasant class and one that threatened a riot and occasionally actually resulted in violence. They're very unruly. Um, as the Pirsenlauf was uh, transformed into the Krampuslauf uh, and hybridized with these Nicholas plays, uh, this wild Pirst uh, figure was reshaped as the Krampus, uh, chained and subjugated in a way to Nicholas and thus brought under the control of uh, ecclesiastic and uh, civil authority. Civil authorities feared the parade's unruliness, and uh, clerics worried that the established uh, St. Nicholas narrative and the more dignified spirit of the old uh, ecclesiastic dramas was being threatened by the Perstenlauf. An amusing example comes from the uh, pen of uh, Abraham Alclara, uh, fretting in 1729 over the activities of uh, Nicholas uh, troops. There are those types who wish to present themselves as the wonder-working Bishop Nicholas, who will borrow mitre and vespers coat from the sacristy, and thus outfit themselves in good and honorable manner, so that children won't be so disturbed when Nicholas gets drunk and tumbles down the stairs. <laughs> He concluded by noting that householders often lose valuable silver cutlery during visits of these Nicholas troops, but can't know for certain if... The Nicholases, or the angels, or devils, are the greatest thieves. Similarly, uh, the vicar of the uh, Tyrolean town of Meyerhofen complained about uh, riotous behavior in 1815, writing... On the night of Advent Sunday, December 3rd, so many costume Nicholases ran from one tavern to another and created such a racket that no decent person could sleep. They binged late into the night. Around midnight, Lackner's and Kramer's taverns were still serving them. 
these Nicholas Maskers are not even the rhymers who perform in the disgustingly farcical Nicholas plays, but merely masked individuals seeking all night long to cause the greatest mischief possible. In the Austrian Zillertaler uh, Valley, at the beginning of the 19th century, uh, riots engendered by these uh, parades were becoming unnervingly common, at least as concerned a provincial judge in the town of Zell am Ziller. In 1835, in hopes of seeing bans better enforced, uh, he wrote to a local deacon, advising him to warn against this nonsense from the pulpit and inform the other clergy of this order. Sometimes troubles went further than mere noise and drunken disorder. Uh, on December 9th, 1878, the local uh, chronicle of Lassing, Austria, reported on violence among participants, writing... Last night, 20 local farm boys dressed as Nicholas's went to Weissenbach by Lienzen. Here they were attacked by ruffians from Lienzen, Weissenbach, and Verschach. And there was such a fight that after a few days, a lad from Lassing succumbed to wounds and died. Another lay sick several weeks, and only the few who escaped quickly enough were uninjured. The slain victim, according to a report of a relative had been killed because he had not run about fast enough while performing a part that called for him to frantically charge the audience. A disappointing performance and its consequences. There are many examples of the Nicholas figure of church tradition so compromised by pagan custom as to be almost unrecognizable as the saint. Sometimes uh, the bestial aspect of the uh, Alpine Pershten is so uh, evident in the character's costume that the name Nicholas, or Klaus, the shortening of Nicholas, uh, wouldn't seem to apply. The uh, Nicholas of Ilreich in Germany, for instance, not only wore hides, but also sported cloven hooves. And even to this day, the Klaus of uh, southern Germany's uh, Allgäu uh, region appears covered in pelts with uh, antlers or steer horns upon his head. The other costumed figures joining Nicholas processions, uh, modeled on the old uh, Perstenlauf, were hardly those associated with the traditional saint and extended well beyond the uh, Nicholas, Angel, Krampus, and Basket Carrier grouping we've seen in more traditional regions today. In the vicinity of uh, Fokermacht, for instance, there was a Grim Reaper with flowing white robe, scythe, and clock, a uh, crone figure called Mariette, or uh, Margareta Maultash, uh, Margaret Bagmouth, that would be, uh, who uh, would uh, tell the fortunes of young girls, as well as a fool called Bayazzo, uh, dressed in a red bell-decked outfit with a face painted with animal blood. The rough uh, Nicholas celebrations, so offensive to some of the sources we've quoted, uh, feel more appropriate to the uh, irreverent carnival season than the feast of a Christian saint. This uh, was the feeling voiced in a uh, 1744 missionary's report on Nicholas' practices in East Tyrol, where the uh, eyewitness complained that they misplaced the entertainments of carnival to Advent, Christmas, New Year and Epiphany when they forced their way into houses in fool's costumes or other shameless outfits, and whole hordes of young men and women are carried away and give themselves over to a moderate drink and feasting. 
Nicholas' traditions also reached the German-speaking lands of the Protestant North, where, without the uh, Catholic deference to the saint, the parade figure of Nicholas was even more easily absorbed into uh, irreverent carnival customs. The word Klaus, in fact, uh, from Nikolaus, was uh, defined in uh, the uh, 1767 Bremen Lower Saxony Dictionary as... The costume St. Nicholas or carnival fool who scares the children on Nicholas Eve as a pagan popish folly eliminated during the past few years in Protestant northern Germany. Just as uh, carnival customs were absorbed into Nicholas' uh, practices, Nicholas was absorbed into carnival. A report from the German city of Rotweil mentions the appearance of a costumed uh, St. Clausens or Clauses within the uh, ranks of a group of tradesmen celebrating Carnival in 1763. That the saint would be uh, desacralized as uh, just another carnival fool was really of little concern in the account, as if the costumes themselves were really not uncommon. The real impetus for the report uh, was that the uh, Nicholases and his followers drank until the wee hours at a local inn, pretending to conduct confirmation services between their sloppy rounds and thereby mocked a serious liturgical process. Oddly, the uh, content of the Nicholas plays that came to be defined only rarely portrayed uh, traditional legends of the saint. It was named more after the day of its presentation than uh, the acts of the saint as traditionally recorded. Now, instead, most of the plays conformed to uh, the following uh, basic sequence of acts. Entrance of the Forerunner. Uh, this is the fellow who begins the play, uh, and an appointed troop member uh, enters the uh, designated venue to request permission to perform. He clears the space for the performance and announces highlights of the play to come. Uh, that is followed by the St. Nicholas gifting scene, which uh, is basically a more formal version of the uh, house visit we described earlier. Some memorized rhymes used in today's uh, more traditional house visits actually can be traced back to uh, lines from these uh, plays from the uh, 17th, as old as the 17th century. Uh, while the appearance of the Krampuses would immediately follow in the house visits we discussed, the older Nicholas plays insert another scene uh, before the devil's attack. Uh, this is the everyman scene, so-called because it resembles the... Uh, famous 15th century morality play, Everyman. Uh, you, you needn't have heard of this play specifically to get the gist of it. We st still see the trope played out uh, in cartoons, for instance, in which uh, an everyman like Homer Simpson might uh, listen to or be engaged by an allegorical devil on one shoulder, an angel on the other. So typical of uh, these uh, segments is uh, dialogue... Uh, between uh, death and an initially uh, heedless youth, foolish youth, who usually escapes the reaper by calling on the Blessed Virgin or Guardian Angel or, or St. Nicholas. Um, rather than death, sometimes Satan plays the villain as he uh, tempts uh, a pious hermit or a pilgrim. Occasionally, the last-minute repentance is not enough, as in, the, uh, in a uh, Styrian version, which features uh, drunken beggars whose... Uh, pragmatic and in really insincere repentance borders on mockery. Uh, they realize their error too late and uh, are dispatched by the reaper's scythe. 
Nicholas plays are known to have become increasingly geared toward uh, peasant themes and low humor in the uh, second half of the 18th century. Uh, farmers, uh, fishermen, uh, foresters, other workers uh, were presented speaking satirically of their trade, uh, complaining of their lot, and other uh, vaudeville-style skits would be inserted, humorous uh, portrayals of traveling salesmen known in the Alps or wandering knife sharpeners. All of these uh, often appeared. Quack doctors were actually uh, very popular, as was a uh, slapstick uh, skit featuring a dishonest horse trader trying to sell a broken-down nag represented by a costume performer who would charge the crowd, or two costume performers. Um, Occasionally, the sick horse was treated with an enema during which the crowd would be sprayed. In an old version from uh, Donnersbach, the uh, enema drives the horse mad, and in an attempt to put the animal down, his head is cut off. The crowd, which has been previously threatened with the spray of an enema, then is showered with blood from the other end of the headless beast. So, uh, yes, these plays could get a bit rough. Well, not necessarily representative. Elements like these were probably on the minds of those angry clerics objecting to the plays, uh, referring to them as disgusting and farcical. Um, These uh, rough uh, slapstick touches uh, naturally reinforced the notion that the Nicholas plays borrowed from uh, the body uh, satiric uh, carnival traditions. And so the Nicholas play then ended with the appearance of the Krampuses. Uh, as mentioned in the old days, uh, as we heard in the I Am Krampus boast at the top of the show, they were quite loquacious and uh, might have individual names and personalities. And inevitably, they would have a leader who was named Lucifer, who might be uh, distinguished from the other devils by the addition of a crown or a pitchfork. Um Often Lucifer would be chained and held by two uh, devilish attendants, occasionally hurling himself against the chains and barely restrained from clawing the audience. Uh, The effect of the restraint would actually emphasize rather than minimize the danger uh, the raging demon presented. His uh, speech, known as the Lucifer Sermon, was an essential element of nearly all Nicholas' plays. Uh, We're going to hear an example of one, which I translated from uh, old 19th century sources from my book. And as the uh, Lucifer sermon would end the Nicholas play, I I suppose it's also a fitting ending for this episode. Take it away, Lucifer. I am Lucifer, my name you know. God has cast me down below. You've not seen me in my prison, scourging sinners in perdition. Father, mother, your discipline has been amiss. Saint Nicholas, he's told me this. Oh, how blind, how blind mankind. How man wastes his precious time in vanity and pleasure. Will man's time in hell be measured? In pomp and pride man plays and prances, and straight into my flame dances. And so it ends, his pretty game, up to his ears in hellish flame. Drunkards, 
gluttons, slaves of desire. I'll roast on skewers over fire. Those who like to fight and swear, I'll drag them roughly by the hair. And wicked wags hoist by their boots and pull their tongues out from the roots. Adulterers, whores, and reprobates all await an evil fate. Alas, that's all that I may preach. Saint Nicholas will end my speech. But were truths told as I intend, my speech would never have an end. I do hope you've all been enjoying our shows and will continue listening and tell your friends about what we're doing here. We appreciate your likes and comments and shares on social media. Uh, particularly appreciate uh, reviews from those of you who enjoy the show. They make a huge difference in the show's visibility on uh, Apple Podcasts and other distributors. Our website, boneandsickle.com, provides links to our Facebook group and Twitter uh, along with uh, show notes uh, filled with images and video links to any outside music used in the program. Uh, music and sound design otherwise are all original for the show. By the way, I'll be doing some Krampus-oriented talks in California and Arizona, as well as organizing Krampus events. So if any of this is of interest to you, you can find more info on that on the website under the events tab. You can also find our donor link there. Uh, Patreon members have a choice of gifts and incentives, including exclusive access to uh, extra elements that go into our, the making of the podcast, uh, digital downloads of rare old books used in the uh, preparation of the show, the uh, episode soundscapes, what you hear in the background uh, below the narrative, and my Krampus book, as well as a signed 8x10 photo of Wilkinson's suitable for framing, and adulation. Donation levels begin at $1 a month, and your support via Patreon is the uh, sole support that makes it possible to continue the program on a regular bi-monthly basis. Special thanks to new patrons Forrest O'Gary, uh, Mary Dom, and Quentin Carlson. The show is written and produced by me, Al Reitenauer. Uh, Wilkinson is played by Rick Gallagher. Thanks so much for listening.